This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Takeoff is in progress. Here we go. Scoop podcast episode 415. Interviews only, but fun conversations. Let's begin with a post-mortem on the Wolves. One of my favorite guys, former Nets assistant general manager, now an accomplished analyst, host, reporter. He wears multiple hats for ESPN. It is Bobby Marks. Great to see you. Always appreciate the time. Let me just put the quarter in the machine. I'll start you with a loaded question. Do the Wolves have hope for the future? Yes or no? If you're a fan of the Wolves, should you be optimistic for the next handful of years? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if this was year two into um, post Gobert trade and you're losing in the first round and you know five games, then I would say like, yeah, I mean, where is this roster going here? And I mean, as I wrote about it, like the the state of the roster is basically incomplete, right? Like, I I I need another, I need another year of how this long-term marriage is going to work between Gobert and Towns. Um, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with Anthony Edwards going, um, you know, moving forward long-term here. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't want to put a, a cap that this is a first-round ceiling on this team here because a lot changes in this league. I think we see it with, um, you know, Denver, who, you know, you know had some injuries in, in the last, last year now are – we could probably say we're probably one of the favorite, probably the favorite to get out of the Western Conference. Certainly, besides the, I mean, look at the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers were dead and buried, you know, back in uh, back in February and made uh, made some changes here and stuff. So, um, but they've the roster's got to get internally better, right? Like that's the first step as far as how does the core of the group, the group whether it be Towns, Gobert, Edwards, uh, McDaniel's. You know, Conley's back another year. You get a full year of Mike Conley, which is important. Um, you know, it starts as far as how that group meshes, right? Like, and then, you know, whatever they do elsewise in, in, in free agency kind of, you know, you add to that. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think I think what happened was um, it's almost like I'm going to go back to when we were in, um, when I was in, in New, uh, Brooklyn after we lost to Chicago in 2013 in seven games to the Bulls, um, we thought our roster um, could be a lot better than what already was. And it, you know, and we wound up doing that Boston trade and, you know, like, like with uh, Pierce and Garnett and moved out Gerald Wallace and Chris Humphreys and that group. But the reality was, is like, we were fine just as is, you know, so that's kind of like, you know, going back Monday morning quarterback, when you look at, um, you know, the trade um, that's going to be dissected forever, um, you know, you lose to Memphis a year ago and you think you're like one guy away. You're like one guy away. And when you swing like Minnesota did and, you know, like we did back in um, in Brooklyn and, you know, on, on paper right now, it doesn't look like it worked out, but I think we're still a long way from it. Like that's, I think you just have to be careful kind of knowing kind of what your roster is. And yeah, I mean, the Beverly, um, Vanderbilt, Beasley, um, I guess could put D'Angelo in there. I mean, if that team state is as is, are you, are you getting out of the first round? I don't probably not. I know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe catch a break here or not. So, so, so to answer your question, I gave you a long winded answer. I do think there's <laughs> hope. I do think there's hope. Um, but, like it's going to have to be from a how these you know the how the group works together it starts internally because as I I was texting you um, this was I guess it was a, during the Denver I guess right after the Denver series I said like yeah the CBA rules are going to like 
they they're going the the um the Timberwolves are like the poster boy, right? Like like as far as you can retain, right? You can retain your own, but adding else around becomes a challenge when a you don't have draft picks, and then basically you're yeah you know, you're basically in that veteran minimum salary, um basically what the Lakers had done the last couple of years with you know signing seven or eight guys here. So yes, there is there is hope, but. Things have to things have to improve, and it's it's going to be an important offseason of uh, you know another year of kind of development. All right, so expound on the Wolves being the poster boy. Our text message back and forth because a lot of Wolves fans are like, okay, I sort of understand what he just said, yeah. but lay it out a little bit more succinctly. Just how exactly are the Wolves the poster boy? What will this mean for the future moving forward? I, I think when when I when I when I talk about it, it's it's very hard to have three players on max contracts on your roster. So when you have a top roster of top heavy, and I'm, I'm including Anthony in this, um, because the likelihood is that he's going to get a max deal, right? I mean, five for I think two hundred nine, two hundred seven, somewhere there, maybe even be higher if he earns all NBA. So when you have Towns, whose super max hasn't even kicked in yet, you have uh, Gobert on a super max. And then you have Edwards. I mean, you have three guys making 120, 130 million dollars. You can do it, right? Like you can do it. But then when you don't have draft picks to kind of that you're young, that foundation, um, you are relying on, you know, as I said, kind of those veteran minimum guys, you know, the McDaniels number, let's say we add 20 million for for McDaniels too. So it starts to add up. So how you look at it is um they're not there yet, but they could be. Um We've talked a lot about the second apron, right? So basically, um, if teams are over the second apron, and this is kind of for Minnesota looking at it in 2024, 25, when um, the uh, extensions for Edwards and McDaniels would kick in, you're limited as far as you, you know signing a player to the um, tax mid-level exception. That goes away. Um, taking back players in the trade, like you can't um, – you can't aggregate money, right? So if um, if Minnesota wanted to acquire a thirty million dollar player, you can't send out a ten and a twenty million dollar player, right? Like they, it's basically kind of limiting some of those rules here. Um, your first round pick seven years out gets frozen, right? You wouldn't be able to trade a first round pick seven years out. Um, so there's all these different, you know, it's, it's, and it's basically how I look at it is that if you if for everyone who has kids out there. Um, 27 kids were playing nice at recess. Three kids were, you know, being naughty and are putting time out, right? Like that's the reality of it. And what the, what their league is saying is, Hey, Golden State Clippers, Miami, some of these other teams, you play nice for a year or two. You can come back out and join everyone, right? Like that's how, that's how it is. Or you could just stay in time out and face the repercussions here. Um, so for Minnesota, it's, you know, as I said, like they're not there yet, right? Like this off season, um, you know, I don't see them being a tax team. I mean, the Nas Reed situation is going to be interesting. You know, that's going to be, you know, as far as, um, you know, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, like retaining your own free agents, how, how you get to that second apron is, is three max guys, another guy at 20 and then like paying uh, Nas Reed $12 million paying, um, Jalen Noel, um, eight million dollars. It, it starts adding up, right? It starts adding up there. So, I mean, that's something in 2024 to 25. I mean, we're still a year away from to keep an eye on. But um, as I said, though, like you know, um, as you saw with Denver, you know, Denver's got Jokic, Porter, Murray, three guys on max deals, right? Gordon's on a nice deal. Um, KCP's on a nice deal. But then you're looking at your bench, right? Like your bench is Bruce Brown. Right. Um, uh, Denver wouldn't have been able to sign him under the new under the current rules because of they wouldn't have the tax mid level exception. Um, and Christian Brown, who they drafted. So you have to those like, you know, those rotational players like, man, it puts a lot of pressure on your your front office to, you know, scour the minimum market, you know, find bargains in, in free agency. And what happens is, is that your bench is consist consistently um, turning over. Right. Because you're signing guys like, you know, the signing guys to one year contract. And then you have to do it over again here. So, you know, the um, the Wendell Moores of the world, like those young players, like you are going to need those players to become, you know, not just developmental players anymore, um, you know, part of your rotation. 
Nice job by Calvin Booth in Denver, by the way, Bobby. Like in an alternate universe, Calvin Booth is running the Wolves. Gerson Rosas doesn't get the job in 2019. Calvin Booth had worked for the Wolves. He maybe should have been the guy, although, heck, Gerson did a lot of good when it comes to the on-the-court product. It was the off-the-court stuff that went sideways. But, yeah, I mean, I love Christian Braun. I love the movie made for KCP. Like, Calvin Booth, hey, good for him running the Denver Nuggets. I'll ask you a little bit more about the Nuggets later in the conversation, too. On Nas Reed. So, take us through. So, is it four years, $58 Is that the most... The Wolves can offer. Would it make any sense for them to offer that? Can another team offer him more if he gets to the market? The Wolves can't reach an extension before early July. Just take us through the Nas Reed situation. Yeah. Because I do think he really likes it here. But then also, like, does he want to be a starter? I mean, he can play a lot of minutes here, but, you know, there's a starting job somewhere out there for him. Like, would some other team pay him more than the Wolves can pay him? Yeah, I mean, so he, you know, he signed a um, um, a four year contract. Um, it's similar to what um, what Dallas went through with Jalen Brunson, basically. That um, you know, uh, the because it's all four years, and you know, it's he if he had if he would have had a um, a four year deal, would and he had I think he had a team option. If he declined a team option after the third year, he would have been a restricted free agent. But then you're paying last year instead of on a cheap contract. So he's extension eligible up until June 30th, right? You mentioned the number four for 58. That's the most that for right now, for in this two month period that Minnesota could, um, could offer. Once July one comes around, um, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, uh, Minnesota can sign him for up to five years, up to 25% of the salary cap, right? So there's no, there's the restrictions are off, right? Because now he's an, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's got bird rights. You can exceed the cap. Any other team out there, you basically, so I think you're looking at teams that are over the cap, but are under the luxury tax who have the non-tax mid-level exception. That number's at 12.2 million. Okay, so that's a number probably in his wheelhouse. Maybe it's a little bit low. He might think it's a little bit lower. And then you're looking at all those teams that have cap space, right? So you're looking at teams like Detroit. I don't see anything there. You've got basically, you know, like center you, right? I mean, they've got, they're loaded with bigs, Houston, um, Orlando, San Antonio, Indiana. Um, I don't see the Lakers being part of this. I don't think SAC has room, you know, like, so you kind of just go through there's, Hey, there's six or seven teams that have, um, cap space like Houston. Hey, they've got 60 million, but from the looks of it, they're going to go big game hunting, right? They're going after like two $30 million guys or three twenty. you know, like they're going, you know, um, so for, for, um, for Minnesota, I think at the minimum that you're going to be, have to prepare to at least pay the $12.2 million, um, you know, um, non-tax mid-level. I think that's going to be his going rate. The challenge is that he's, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he can go sign elsewhere. You don't have the right to match. However, like based on whatever relationship, um, you know, Tim has and, um, you know, Nas and his agent, like you could have like a, Hey, you know, um, go out and get an offer, you know? Bring it back to us, right? Bring it back to us. If it's not something we can do, then you go great and stuff like that. They don't have to because he's unrestricted, but that's certainly something um, that, you know, both sides can kind of work out because he, it's unfortunate because he, um, he wasn't available last year, right? In that Memphis series um, or towards the tail, I think the tail end, right? In that series, he wasn't um, like, I think it was personal issues or personal reasons, um you're racking my brain pretty good i don't recall that bobby i mean you know the wrist injury in the game in phoenix late in you know this past regular season i mean that was so unfortunate i mean heck i mean i look at the Wolves' season bobby they had 12 losses against the bottom feeders of the league you know we're talking the pistons the rockets the spurs the wizards the blazers heck if they just go six and six in those 12 games they easily avoid the play and may have even gotten as high as the four seed but like even if they just had Nas for that playing game against the yeah. Lakers, remember that playing yeah. game against the Lakers? I mean, we oh, may be on a crash course well, that, for Nuggets mean, Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Nuggets Lakers should have been the first round matchup because, well, who knows? Maybe the Lakers end up losing that eight nine playing game. But the Wolves were up yeah. by ten points with six minutes to go in L.A. No Nas Reed, no Rudy Gobert, who he said he probably wouldn't have played because of his back, but he was suspended after throwing the punch in the regular season finale. But like. 
I think about this Wolf season, like that Lakers game. I mean, I think if they had matched up against Memphis, if they hold on and beat the Lakers and end up playing Memphis, they could have won that series. We might be having a different conversation. Oh, I agree. This Wolves post-mortem, you know, the optimism moving forward might be significantly higher if the Wolves would, you know, exit in the second round, not the first round, right? But, yeah, just not. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't agree. remember last year against Memphis. Was he? Did you Google it quickly? He missed game he six. Out? He missed he missed game six. Okay. He played. Right. Um, I just looked up as he played five games, and then I think he missed game six for per. I want to say personal reasons, because um, I do remember like he did not. He was not there. But yeah, I mean that's the that's the league. I mean the league is so. I mean, there's such a balancing act, and one move can make you look like a genius. Like I, I talked about it with uh, with Brian Windhorst um, last night, and. Like Rob Polinka deserves a lot of credit in Los Angeles, right? Like the moves he did. But on the other end, if he, they get the guy they wanted, which was Kyrie Irving, we're not talking about the Lakers right now. The Lakers are home, right? There's no D'Angelo Russell. There's no Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, Malik Malik Beasley's not a, in in the rotation here. But you're basically it's it's the three headed. It's Irving D- Davis in um and um and james and stuff like that and we're probably not talking about um you know the lakers but they didn't they did the um the you know the um the minnesota and, and utah trade and now we're like you know rob's gets a lot of credit as he should now minnesota beats the lakers in that plan they go to memphis and win that round and we're, we're in round two further than what they did last year we're reevaluating. we're saying you know what the, the trade you know you know can we question you know, you know Walker Kessler being traded, you know, some of these other things. But hey, they got they exceeded their expectations. They got passed from where they were a year ago here. But that's not, you know, that that's how you know, you know the you know as I said, like things change from you know um, from one thing to another. I mean, that's the state of the Minnesota sports fan, not just the Timberwolves. But if you look at the four main male pro sports teams in town: the Wild, the Vikings, the Twins, Bobby. The Minnesota sports fan plays the what-if game all the time. Now, let me do take the side of the optimistic Wolves fan that I laid out, okay, those 12 losses, what are the chances that happens again next year? If you merely go 6-6 six and six in those 12 games, yeah. don't lose 12 games to the bottom feeders of the league, okay, you're not even in the play. And Carl Anthony Towns misses 52 games. Corey and Prince misses 27 or 28 games. Heck, even Rudy Gobert missed a handful of games. I don't know what his games played ended up being, but he missed like, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 games. Kyle Anderson had some back issues early. Jordan McLaughlin, backup point guard, missed a lot of games. Jalen Noel, toward the end of the season, missed a bunch of games. Then at the very end, okay, Jaden McDaniels, who was healthy all year, breaks his hand, punching a curtain, didn't realize there's a brick wall behind the curtain, right? (laughs) Like, what are the chances, right? So Jaden McDaniels gets hurt. Right, Nas Reed gets her basketball play, but like if they can just keep this core healthy, I'm thinking maybe they're not all that far away. A full year of Mike Conley Jr. Hey, Bobby, for the first time since 2004, the Wolves were a top 10 defensive team this year. So even with all of Rudy Gobert's warts, they still found a way to be a top 10 defensive team. The bar is not high here in Minnesota, Bobby, but they did make the playoffs back-to-back years for the first time since the 0203 and 0304 seasons. So we need to go back 19 years. The last time something like this happened. So if I'm the optimistic Wolves fan, I'm looking at it and saying, oh, by the way, also Nikhil Alexander-Walker, restricted yeah. free agent, he can play. Let's see what a full year of Conley Jr., Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Let's pray we can get Nas Reed back. They want him back so badly. And I'm telling you, he really likes it here, but the money just might be too rich somewhere else. But Hey, in many ways, let's just run this thing back next year and pray for help. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at all the games, the double-digit uh, blown leads, right? I mean, I think they were second behind Portland only. So you split that, and you you let's say you you take seven off that. Can you split right? that, like though, it, Bobby? Or is that – like because they blew three-fourth quarter double-digit leads last year against Memphis in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So they lose – in six well, to and Memphis, that's, but and that's, they and that's, could have won that series last year against Memphis. So I'm wondering well, if this pattern, like there's too much evidence to say, okay, it can just stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's going to be the, you know, the, basically the coaching staff is going to have to look themselves in the mirror, right? Like we, one year in, in, uh, this was in New Jersey, Don Casey, 
I'm going back a long time ago, was um, he was the interim coach, and we lost like 20 games by like double digit um, down the stretch. Like it was remarkable. And Case was fighting to get the interim tag removed, and he had this meeting with ownership. And what happened was us as a group, basically we're locked in a room for about a month and basically going through each game, like figuring out is there a pattern you know, what's, you know, what has to change and stuff like that. And so is it the personnel? Is it the coaching? Is it putting guys in, you know, not the right spot? Is it some guys are not clutch? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, but that's something that, that Minnesota, that the, that Chris and the group have to figure out, right? Like they, you're going to, there's going to have to be a deep dive um, as far as, you know, the inability to kind of close games out. Like I get it. Hey, you're up. Um, you know, 12, two to start the game, you know, like the games, you know, you still got 40 minutes left, right? Like there's still, but like, Hey, you got a, you got a double digit lead in the third quarter, right. Or fourth quarter, like, you know, like they've got to figure that part part out and maybe they can't, you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's, it is the, the, the personnel they have. All right. You brought up Tim, Tim Connolly. Can you see any scenario, Bobby? I'm going to go let the dog out. So I'm going to let you answer as I go run and let the dog out. But can you see any scenario where he ends up running the Washington Wizards that he leaves the Wolves after one season? I, it's hard. You know, it's, it's especially that um, you, know, you have the ownership, you know, that's going to eventually kind of change over here. Um, you invested a lot in Tim. Um, Tim's basically had has his, you know, um, fingerprints all over, um, you know, all over this roster. Um, I, it, it would be hard for me to think that, um, you know, Mark and Alex, you know, even let him out of the, out of the contract, um, unless there's certainly somebody kind of waiting in the wings, um, ready to take over. So I, yeah, the Washington job is, you know, it's, I mean, if you're looking at, I mean, yeah, it's the hometown factor, right? Like from that area, but like from an appeal standpoint, Minnesota's got more appeal than the Wizards. No offense, the Wizards fans. I mean, like I'd rather have Towns, Gobert, Edwards than uh, Kuzma, um, Porzingis, and $200 million still owed to Bradley Beal. I mean, so you never say never, but I think for me it would be hard that, um, you know, a year in, um, after that blockbuster trade that, you know, that, you know, this front, this ownership group will, would let, if, if Tim had interest kind of out of that deal. It's interesting when evaluating Tim so far. So like the draft, the second round pick from Memphis, Josh Minot, I see a lot of potential there. Wendell Moore Jr. played well in the G League, sporadic minutes in the NBA to be determined on Wendell. But like you look at that second round pick, Josh Minot, like I can see a rotational piece as soon as next year. Like, I think his ceiling is pretty darn high. Kyle Anderson, Bobby, now again. Great signing. Tremendous signing. But if you look at the Timberwolves history, what is it now, 34 years, 35 years? He's one of the all-time best Wolves free agent signees, right? So that was a really, really good move. Bringing in Mike Conley Jr., Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That will work. That worked. It will work. Next year, D'Angelo Russell just wasn't a fit here. He had to move on. Hey, credit to D'Angelo for helping out the Lakers, for Rob making that move. But D'Angelo, I don't think, was a fit here. right? But then you look at the Gobert trade, and you're like, okay. I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? But, like, even, like, Walker Kessler. Like, they loved Walker Kessler pre-draft. They bring him in for the introductory news conference. I had a chance to sit down with Walker. He was so excited to be a Timberwolf. He's got some family ties here to Minnesota. Now, clearly the Wolves thought he was a couple of years away. If they knew he would be this good this soon, you don't make the Gobert trade. But like their evaluation of Walker Kessler was spot on. But again, yeah. the elephant in the room, it's the Gobert trade. Like you yeah, just can't I mean, escape even, everything you gave up for Rudy. Yeah, I mean, you had Torian Prince too, the Torian Prince extension, right? I mean, he's a good role player here. But at the end of the day, when I hear when people hear Minnesota, it's it's the Gobert trade, right? It's the Gobert trade as far as how much they gave up, how much they're will, they will continue, um, you know, to to give up. I mean, shoot, I I mean, I lived, I've continually lived with it. You know, the Boston trade. I mean, like, you know, it wasn't that we went to got to the second round that year and lost to the Heat, or made it to the first round the following year and lost to Atlanta in six games. It was like, 
it turned into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and stuff. And I feel like saying, well, wait a minute. Like those guys were in eighth grade when it happened, but that's the reality of it. When like, there's no, in, there's no in between, right? Like either it works out for you or, um, you know, or, you know, you can call it a failure. And, and right now I'm not ready to say any, you know, work, you know, just, you know, label it anything, but, Certainly with Walker as, you know, everybody likes to play Monday morning quarterback and that's the reality of sports and stuff. And yeah, I mean, would you, if you had a do over, right. And we're, we're reevaluating everything. And, and you said to Tim, like, Hey, you can have Walker Kessler instead of Rudy Gobert and have all your draft picks back. Would you do it right now? I mean, the, the reality is probably yes. Oh, I don't even think probably Bobby you would. Right. I mean, absolutely. Wholeheartedly it would be a yes. Walker Kessler is really good. Yeah, he's a, you know, I mean, he he has a role, right? He fits a role. He's a shot blocking big. He can score around the basket. He's smart. Um, there's a, there's there's going to be there's a role, and there will continue to be a role for him. All right. So, Harley Anthony Town. So the supermax kicks in in a year. If big if, but if the Wolves wanted to trade Cat, would it make more sense to do it? This summer, compared to the and before the supermax technically kicks in, yes, it would because the the, the rules, um, you know, the trade rules are going to change a little bit here for some teams that are, um, you know, if you're a luxury tax team, um, basically, like so, I give you an example. So, for right now, um, teams that are in the, uh, that are over the um, the apron, the first and second apron. Going for this year alone, it's you know it used to be 125 percent. You can take it back in a deal. It's now that's going down to 110 percent. The following year, which is 2024, 25, if you're a team over the first apron, it's basically 100 percent, right? So it's so if you're trading 40 million dollars, you you can't take back 41, right? It's basically 40 or less. And as I mentioned earlier, that changes for second um, for second apron teams. So when you look at you know, with, with Towns' number, I mean, it go it jumps, right? I mean, it goes from, um, you know, 36 to 49. 49 is a big number to move. I mean, it really is. I don't care how good you are getting the numbers to match, cobbling together deals and stuff like that. Um, it presents um, it presents a challenge. And like, as, as I said, you know, before, like when you have, th- you know, I think it, it depends on your, like, you know, hey, hypothetically, if New York, New York came in, Right. And said, hey, we're going to give you all these draft picks and tr- contracts. Yeah, it makes sense for New York because their their money is they have, their contracts are balanced. Right. Like it does, you know, for them. But like, you know, for certain teams, it, do- it doesn't make sense if you have um, your if you have top your salaries are you know top heavy. If, if I'm just throwing this out, this is just like if, if Phoenix came in and said, hey, we're going to trade you DeAndre and then you know, whatever, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it's hard to do because you already committed, you know, 90 million to Booker and, and Durant. So I think it's situational here, but I said, yeah, I mean, if you're going to, if that's the direction that you want to explore, it does make it a little bit easier just because you're still, you're on a $36 million contract or salary compared to 49 the following year. I'll hit you with two more Wolves inquiries and a non-Wolves inquiry, and I'll let you go. Always appreciate the time, Bobby. Yeah. On Jada McDaniels. What's a logical extension? I mean, Connolly made it very clear to us in exit interviews in the last handful of days. Hey, that first day, uh, is it July 1st or July 3rd or whatever it is? That first day in July, you know, him, his representation will have a very nice offer, you know, in their inbox, whatever. (laughs) I've never heard a GM say that before. (laughs) Yeah, however the offer is delivered. (laughs) Yeah, God bless him, right? Yeah, I mean, just a guy you want to have a beer with, right? Just a good dude, right? I wish he made himself a little bit more available. I mean, he just, he kind of ducked media for a good portion of the season, but like all the interactions we've had with Tim, A plus, like I really liked the guy, but yeah, that was, that was funny. So however they deliver the offer to Jaden, like what's a logical extension offer look like for Jaden where he says, yes, let me sign. Like I'm thinking Mikhail Bridges, what's that contract? Yeah, Yeah, I think. Yeah, like what, what makes sense for Jaden McDaniel? I think at the very minimum, I mean, you're looking at the DeAndre Hunter number in Atlanta, which was like four for 90. I want to say there was a bunch of bonuses in there. Um, 
Bridges contract's really good. I mean, that's a, a I mean, especially where Mikhail is now offensively. Um, and it's kind of the face of the franchise. That's, you know, certainly a team friendly deal. But I think, you know, could it be four for a hundred and you've got a bunch of bonuses in there, twenty million per. Uh the interesting thing is that the the rules change with rookie extensions where now you could do five years if they're not max guys. You couldn't do that before. So you could do five for hundred and you know, 120, for example, hundred, you know, you can, you, there's, you can go longer here. So I think at the minimum, you're looking at at least 20 per year. I mean, probably, you know, one of the elite, um, you know, wings out there. I mean, the, the stats back it up, the eye test backs it up. Um, you know, Two way. You know how, I mean, his how defense much... is top yeah. match. I mean, yeah, I, I think mean, his I think defense is underrated is... by some of the national pundits, but to me, he's, yeah. You know, maybe not first team all defensive, but to me, he belongs in the second team all defense. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is is that you know, from a maturity standpoint, right? I mean, that was a knock coming out of Washington was the maturity standpoint. You know, as far as how he handled himself off the court, how much does um, him in the front office weigh the incident? You know, I mean, I'd rather him punch the wall than a teammate, I guess, right? If you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna say that, so. I think it's all part of his growth. I think he certainly learned um, a lot about it, but at the end of the day, what he's done on a court will probably overshadow, um, you know, in a good way, a lot of things. So I think you're looking at at least 20, uh, maybe even more, you know, as far as, you know, he's not a max guy, but, um, you know, 20 to 22 per is probably, um, you know, pretty solid for him. If all goes as planned one year from now, we'll be talking about Mark Glory, Alex Rodriguez, as the Wolves' majority owners. What have you heard about those guys? They've brought in some investors. Like, if you're bringing in investors, like, we're talking at least three, if not four or five investors. Is that a red flag or is that normal? Just your thoughts on Mark and Alex. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly having worked for teams that, you know, I worked for a group that were called the Seacaucus Seven, you know. I mean, you had seven guys, basically, who had equal shares. I think that's a little bit different with with Mark and, and Alex as far as who they've they've brought in. So I think as long as there's, like, kind of a direct streamline as far as a decision from, you know, whether it be for whether it be signing a player or a trade and it's going, you know, there's not, it's not being filtered to four or five different people. I think that's where it gets really, um, that's where it gets really confusing. All right. But overall, I mean, you've heard, you know, pretty much all good things about Mark and Alex. I think you, they're there. They're, you know, they're there at a lot of games. They're invested. You see Alex on the road, you see him sitting by, I think, I think what you've seen is them learning right? Like this has all been a learning process as far as how roster building, um, how roster building works. It's different than baseball where you don't have a, um, basically an unlimited budget and you can go out and sign a player for $50 million a year and stuff that doesn't work. Um, you know, that doesn't work in the NBA, but yeah, I mean, you have two people that are invested as far as, you know, um, you know, um, you know, in the, in this group. And I think I have the resources to, 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 to give Tim and, um, that front office, whatever they need. What did you think of the Nuggets chances before the playoffs? Are you recalibrating your thoughts on the Nuggets? I'll admit my bias, Ryan Saunders, Nuggets assistant coach, former Wolves coach, one of my favorite people. But I thought Phoenix would win this series, but now with the Chris Paul injury, Denver up two yeah. zeros, we chat here. Like, I think Denver's going to win this series, but I just, I didn't see a lot of people picking Denver to win the West or win the championship. Now, maybe it's, you know, me watching Denver closely during the Wolves series, not literally watching every second of every other playoff series, but like Denver is really, really good. I'm wondering if a lot of people have slept on Denver. I'm starting to think Denver can actually win the championship. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, you watched the Minnesota series and there were periods where like they didn't look like the one seed blown leads right kind of um you know certainly the game four i think the game four loss here even game you know game five um you know basically in a, in a dog fight in elimination i mean th- they've played their two best games in game one and two in the phoenix series so far i mean game two defensively was as good as it gets man they got into guys and it made them um it made them very uncomfortable here so they are the number one seed um there's a reason why they're the number one seed. Um, they've got every knock on wood. Everybody's healthy here. I think they can get out of the Western Conference. Um, it's interesting if you know if we put the if we took Denver, we crossed that Denver, and we said they're the Los Angeles Nuggets. People would be like, "Man, this team is the greatest thing ever." 
you know, maybe building monuments for this team, but they're, but it's Denver and they're probably overlooked a little bit compared to that golden state, um, you know, golden state Lakers series here. I think Phoenix is in trouble. Um, you know, with certainly with the Chris Paul injury, um, their depth was already limited, um, as is basically you need Durant and, and Booker to give you 70. Um, and then kind of the role guys that kind of come in and, they're going to be, a, you know, I, I'm actually writing their <clears throat> off-season article. Phoenix is an interesting spot. Like, can you make the argument, are they in a better shape than they are right now compared to where they were two years ago or where they were a year ago after, you know, winning whatever 64 games? I mean, I love Bridges. Of, I love Cam Johnson. I'll tell you that Yeah, much. there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do when you have two guys, you know, you, you're top-heavy in contracts. And for for Phoenix, it's like, what happens with Chris Paul? He's got a partial guarantee, right? What happens with DeAndre Ayton? Does he become kind of the fall, not the fall guy, but the guy that, that you use to break up his contract to try to get two or three players here? So not ready to bury them yet, but it's it's going to be hard. You got to win four out of five against this team in Denver, steal a game in Denver. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, it is going to be really hard. Bobby, always enjoy the back and forth. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Always appreciate Bobby's insights. I mean, heck, all sorts of tentacles off that conversation on Jada McDaniels. I mean, that's the one that strikes me the most. I guess I hadn't thought about the five-year, $120, $125 million extension. I guess just out of mind a bit until I like see these new CBA rules implemented. Like, they're coming. We know. He's now eligible to sign a five-year extension. He's not locked into a four-year extension. So you think about DeAndre Hunter, four years, 90. Well, Jaden, to me, better player. You're his representation. You're pushing for more than 490, but like 5, 115, 120, 125 does make sense. But then you think about it in a couple of years, the Anthony Edwards Supermax, the McDaniels extension. You think about Gobert, Towns, like that's so much money. Will Mark Laurie, will Alex Rodriguez, heck, they keep bringing in investors, right? Well, not keep. They have, though. I mean, they have multiple investors. Maybe that was the plan all along. But like until I hear otherwise, there's just no evidence to suggest that Laurie and Rodriguez are going to be willing to go into luxury tax territory. Plus, there will be new penalties, all that stuff. Like it may just not make sense to go above the luxury tax. But, like, I don't know if these guys are willing to do that. Glenn did it after the D'Angelo Russell trade, but even Glenn Taylor has been reluctant to do it. Like, you do it if you're knocking on the door of the Western Conference Finals of winning a title or you're Steve Ballmer, right? But, like, you just don't do it right now if you're the Wolves. So it'll be interesting to see how the next couple years, more so two years from now, not next year, but two years from now, just how the Wolves' salary cap situation plays itself out let's continue the basketball theme got to know janae sanders new gophers women's basketball guard double digit score she's a grad transfer from appalachian state she committed to the gophers a couple days ago let's get to know janae sanders janae thank you for doing this i appreciate the time you can correct me if i'm wrong but i imagine you put your name in the portal there's multiple programs, multiple coaches that reach out to you. So you have options. Ultimately, you choose to be a gopher. You're coming here to Minnesota. Take us through that thought process. Why do you want to be a gopher? Um, a lot of it has to do with the competition. Um, the University of Minnesota playing in the Big Ten is a lot. You know, the competition is better than the Sun Belt. Um, it's, it's, it gets more publicity, uh, more media. Um, and for me, my goal is to play pro after this. Um, so being able to come to a program and, you know, display my strengths and show that I can do it at the next, um, you know, is, is all the world. So when did it click? When did it hit you? Okay. Like, this is the right program for me. Did you visit here? Like, was it during the visit? Was it thereafter that you were processing everything? Like, take me back to that moment when it hit you. Okay. This is the place for me. Yeah. So I actually did visit, um, earlier this week, um, actually. So I was there Saturday through Monday. Um, and my, i my flight was out early Monday morning. Um, by the time I got home Monday night, it was kind of like, yeah, this is the spot for me. Um, you know, b- being there, being with the coaches, um, getting to meet a few players. Um, it really just made it a really easy decision for me, uh, knowing that I, I was cared for and wanted, um, 
you know, you can't you can't really want for much more than that. So to have those two things, uh, it was a no brainer for me. How eye opening was the visit? I mean, I think about how great the facilities are. Iconic Williams Arena, that will be your home arena. Just what stood out about the visit? Um, the visit itself, I mean, we did a lot of things, um, got to go around Minneapolis a little bit. So being able to, you know, see the city that I would be in, um, but also just the, the relationship that I got to create, the relationships I got to create with the coaches um, and just being able to interact with them in person. Um, it was definitely the biggest thing for me, just the relationship and the genuine part of it. How about the specific connection to new coach? with Dawn, you know, her presence. I mean, she's the leader. Yeah, you need to have a connection to her entire staff, but Dawn in particular, what's that bond like right now? Um, it's actually really good. Uh we actually on my visit, we actually went to, I believe it's called Punch Bowl. Um, and so my brother and my father was on the visit with me as well. Um so we played uh Cornhole and it was me and Coach Dawn versus uh, my dad and my father and we beat them twice. And she was like, hey, you can't ask for a better teammate than that. And I was like, definitely this and that was kind of, you know, it was kind of one of those things that, you know, helped the the light bulb come on where it's like, we do make a great team. And so why not, why wouldn't I come join her program and, you know, take that team to the court, you know? So on your dad and brother, so uh, do I have it right that your brother, he played division one basketball. Your dad was also a pretty prolific collegiate athlete, right? So like, I imagine like having your brother and dad to lean on for advice, like that's as good as it gets. Yeah, absolutely. They both played at Appalachian State um, University, so they both played there. And, you know, having them as a my whole support, my whole family supporting me in the decision, um, a lot of it, they were just like, hey, whatever you decide, we're going to support you. And, you know, having that behind you, it kind of makes it that much easier to, you know, take a step out on faith because you know what you have to fall back on. So an atypical path, though, right, Janae, to get to this point, right? LaSalle in Appalachian <laughs> State, now here to Minnesota, but I mean, there's a lot of collegiate athletes at this point, especially with the way the portal works now, where, you know, staying at one school or even two schools, you know, that's not like the way it used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a different time. Um, I'm very appreciative of the portal. Um, The first time I went into the portal, I actually did have to sit a year. And then the next year it changed. And so I didn't have – so then everybody was transferring and didn't have to sit. Um, But, you know, just just definitely – grateful for the opportunity. The first time I entered the portal, um, it was to come closer to home. You know, my grandfather was sick at the time. So being able to come closer to home and be within two hours um, and then having to sit that year, which means I wasn't traveling with the team. I was working out all the time, but still having that time where I could come home and spend time with my grandfather. um, It really meant a lot. And now though, as a grad transfer, you'll just hit the ground running, right? I mean, you'll be up here. I mean, I guess take us through the schedule, but like, you know, we're talking here early May, like, this time next month, will you be here in Minnesota full-time, like early June? Yes, sir. That's the plan, Um, to get there by June 7th. Um, I graduate May 12th, so after that, uh, I'll be working out here in Charlotte, and then I'll I'll be in Minnesota by early June. I mean, just how much of a whirlwind is all this, Janae? I mean, you talk about graduating. Presumably, you're going to walk. I mean, you can tell me if you're not, but like <laughs> that's just that's a monumental accomplishment. And then next thing you know, you're starting this new chapter, Snap of the Fingers. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, I'm really grateful that I got to get my undergrad and my master's from Appalachian State. So, you know, I, I will walk, um, you know, celebrate the, you know, moments in my life, but then being able to have, you know, hit the ground running and getting ready for the next phase is something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I believe it's a challenge and it's an opportunity uh, for me to face a challenge and to grow as a person, but also as a player. So what's the degree in? Um, I got my undergrad in computer information systems. And then I got my master's in business administration with a concentration in supply chain management. Wow. Okay. So, you know, hopefully you can play professional basketball for a really long time, but <laughs> that will come to an end at some point. So what's the goal with those degrees after your playing career? Um, I want to be a logistics manager. So I want to, you know, be the person in charge of inbound, outbound, making sure that it's not enough inventory. And it doesn't really matter the company for me personally, um, but dealing with the numbers is what I like to do. Very nice. Well, what sort of numbers can we expect with you on the court next season? Um, I'm definitely looking to improve on my stats from last year. Um, so, you know, being more efficient from the field, um, getting shooting more threes, getting more confidence in my shot. Um, I don't I don't have an exact numbers for you, but, you know, definitely looking to improve on what I did last year. How about just a scouting report on you? So if I had to write a scouting report, let's say I'm 
Heck, let's say I'm a scout for the Minnesota Lynx. I'm writing that okay. scouting report on Janae. What's going to be in that scouting report? Um, right now it's going to be gets downhill, uh, finishes well around the rim, um, great on ball defender, can guard multiple positions. Um, be careful when you catch the ball because she will take a charge. <laughs> um, and but yeah, but I'm looking to add to that. I definitely want to add, you know, uh, being able to shoot from the perimeter. Um, being a being able to distribute the ball a little bit better. Um, having people around me that, you know, can shoot the ball is definitely exciting, but also having post players that are going to be inside and, you know, going to, you know, go get the lobs or go get the putbacks. You know, I'm definitely excited to add those different things to my game as well. Any noticeable weaknesses or is it more about, as you just laid out, refining a lot of your skills? Um, I, My noticeable weakness would be I don't shoot the three very well, Um, but that's something that I've been working on since the season ended. Um, So I'm definitely, you know, my confidence is coming back. Um. I'm definitely shooting it better now than I was last preseason or postseason. Um, so I'm definitely feeling better. Um, and a lot of it is just reps and uh, confidence. So I feel like it's, if I, you know, my coaches back me 100% saying that, hey, we need you to come here. We need you to shoot the ball. And we need you to be confident in that. And having them tell me that I need to be confident, you know, that only led to me being more confident in it myself. So being able to take that and, you know, build on it. So I can sense the excitement in your voice to come play high major college basketball, but like, was it a tough decision? Like considering your family ties, you know, being relatively close to home, leaving Appalachian state was, was it an easy or hard decision to enter the portal this time? Um, This time it wasn't that hard. Uh, so originally when the season first started, it was one of two options. I was going to enter the portal and find, you know, a better opportunity to play at a higher level or it was to go pro. Um, so I went to Dallas, Texas, and I played in a couple of combines. Um, and then just after talking to the agents um, a little bit, they were like, hey, just put your name in the portal. See what comes out of it. You know, it's one more year um, for you to develop as a player. And then and then we can see what comes out of it, especially if you get to a higher level. And now you're playing in front of, you know, people that you weren't playing in front of at the Sunbelt level. And now you're getting your name out there a little bit more. So being able having those conversations, enter my name in the portal. Um, it was Minnesota or Europe. So, you know, in between the two, I think Minnesota is definitely closer. <laughs> Were there some other college programs, though, in the mix? Like, was it hard to say no to some other college programs? Did you take any other visits? I did take it. I took one other visit, and it was actually to the UNC Charlotte. Um, so it was definitely tough between, you know, actually being at home um, versus going all the way to Minnesota. But at the end of the day, it came down to, like, what I what I seen myself, seen myself benefiting from the best or the most, um, but also where I could see myself striving and helping the team the most. I hit you with a couple more, Janae. Do you sense that they're building something special here, that it's a new era with Dawn in charge, that that there's a chance to to start something really, really special here? Oh, absolutely. Um, majority of my visit was around, you know, these girls want to be better and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the, you know, the process, you know, the the hard work, the seeing it pay off in the end. So that, you know, I'm ready to get there, get to work with my me and my teammates, Um, you know, getting to get see them and meet them face to face is, it's really exciting. Well, on that, I'll piggyback off that. I mean, who did you meet on the visit? Like, are you texting? Like, is there a relationship starting with your new teammates already? Yeah. So I'm actually, I actually got put in a group chat with all the freshmen that would be coming in. Um, So it's me and the freshmen. And then I actually met Sophie on my visit in, I believe, Amaya. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her over FaceTime. So definitely been able to, you know, meet them. And then I talked to a couple of other girls on Instagram. Um, but, you know, being over the phone and being in person is completely different. I appreciate, like, I've appreciated them reaching out to me. It, it already feels like another family. Um, but I'm really excited to get to see them in person. What kind of defender are you? How many positions can you guard? I mean, to me, you are who you can guard. So, like, can you guard multiple positions? Absolutely. So, uh, last year, I actually guarded. I could guard from the one to the five. Um, of course, in the Sun Belt, you know, the height isn't six five, six six. Um, so, it's a little bit, you know, it was a little bit easier in the Sun Belt. But I have guarded one through five, and I did do that this past year. Um but, of course, I'm only 5'11", 5'10", on paper. So, you know, 
guarding the five may not be as feasible in the Big Ten, but I can definitely guard, you know, one through four. Do you have a sense of how Dawn wants to use you? I mean, yeah, I don't think you're going to be guarding fives in the Big Ten, all <laughs> due respect. So do you have a sense sure. of how Dawn wants to use you? Um, I mean, just to be a pest on the ball, um, but also, you know, playing play the passing lanes. Um, so and then with my quickness, being able to guard, you know, multiple positions, I can really see myself playing all over the court this year. Jenny, I'll leave you with this. What didn't we touch on? What is important to know about you? As we tell your story, your transition here to Minnesota, what else is important for us to know? Um, you know, my drive. Like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, you know, say I can't. I'm going to go out there and figure it out. Um, but also, like, my, my, my hard work, my dedication. Like, I want, I want to be the best player that Minnesota, you know, has this year. And for me, that means going out there and, not only being my best self, but allowing myself to be better for my teammates. Um, it's my selflessness, you know, like I'm going to give my all, not for me, not for Coach Don, but for the people behind me and the people to the left and right of me. And that's really what, that's really what means the most to me, being able to say that, yeah, I left my all out there for the person to the right and the person to the left. Janae, this was fun. It was a pleasure getting to know you. We'll see you here in a handful of weeks. All the best with, with being able to walk with your class and graduation here in a few days. Yes, sir. Thank you. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I like the hire. Don Putzawhite knows what she's doing. The new coach, track record of success. It'll take some time to build this thing. You like the building blocks with Mara Braun, Mallory Hire, Amaya Battle, hopefully Holloway coming off her knee injury from Eden Prairie. Hopefully she can contribute. Just a little bit of a question mark coming off the knee injury, but word is she's doing well. So you love those four now sophomores, I guess, in Holloway's case, redshirt freshman. She'll get that year back since she missed the entire year. But they still need players. They still need talent. Like, to be even a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, they need to bring in more players, players that can play well. Janae helps in that regard. So good addition for the Gophers. All right, we now transition to baseball. So on Thursday, I was over at CHS Field. Well, while there... I caught up with Alex Kirloff. Well, it was just a few hours later. I mean, the next day, but a few hours later, he gets the call up to the Twins. I figured it was when, not if, but after he was optioned to St. Paul, the only way he could come up within 10 days was because of an injury. Well, Caleb Theobar injured, so Kirloff now with the Twins. But I still think this conversation applies. Like, it's okay to to play this because he talks a lot about swinging pain-free, just where the wrist is. So I think it's okay, but... Just so you know, just from a time standpoint, when I caught up with Alex, he was still with the Saints, not yet with the Twins. So maybe that'll make some sense with especially my first question. But it's cool now that Alex is back up with the Twins. So here's my conversation from last Thursday at CHS Field with Alex Kirilov. Alex, let's just start with just how you're processing everything. The Twins did make the decision a few days ago to option you. Your rehab assignment had ended. How are you processing everything now being here at AAA? Uh, I think I'm processing it uh, just fine. Um, I told Rocco on the phone that you know I'm really happy with how everything has progressed so far, and I wouldn't really um, look at this like a hiccup or anything like that. My my focus is not on what um, you know I can't control. I can't control that the the, the decisions that they make, but I can control, um, you know, kind of the process that I'm, you know, focused on sticking with and just taking it one day at a time. I mean, seemingly you are the next man up. I mean, I even heard Thad Levine on, on the flagship radio station this morning making mention of you and saying, hey, it's just a matter of when, not if. Would you agree with that? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm just trying to control my day to day. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, I'm happy to fulfill that role and, um, you know, do my best to contribute there or wherever I am. So what you can control, are you happy the way you're playing right now? Uh, yeah, I'm really happy with how things have uh, progressed so far. And, um, you know, there's, you know, obviously a, 
never ever never ending process of trying to improve on uh, different areas so um, that's my goal is just trying to continue to improve and uh, just stay focused on uh, my day-to-day process what are those areas i mean i look at the numbers from afar and i've seen some of the highlights and i'm like you're killing the ball you're having success so what are the areas you need to improve on um, you know, both sides, offensive, defense, um, you know, just continue to work on all three positions for me and stay sharp and uh, continue to get reads in the outfield and, um, you know, get my work in at first base is important um, to get a good amount of reps in. And, um, you know, obviously at the, pr- at the plate, um, formulating uh, an approach that works for me and an uh, approach that's sustainable over time is, is uh, important as well. How important is it to have that defensive flexibility, play first base, play the outfield? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's extremely important, and they've kind of, you know, showcased that so far this year with, with the roster that we have right now. So uh, just continue to work on that is, you know, obviously, um, you know, shown that they uh, give value to that. So that's uh, even more of a reason why to, um, to keep working on all three positions. On your swing, are you able to swing pain-free? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with how um, it's progressed so far, and um, I'm not really taking it for granted. I know that it's going to... Uh, continue to take work and uh, continue to to be something that I stay on top of so um, you know that's another thing that's been a part of my focus is just understanding that it's a long year and that um, it's going to take you know time to continue to heal Um, so uh, but I'm really happy and optimistic where it is right now yeah I mean when you say that you're able to swing pain-free I'm like okay Mm -hmm. just a matter of like building day upon day upon day but like if you're swinging pain-free that to me like that should give a lot of people a lot of optimism yeah, for sure. Like I said before, I'm, I'm really optimistic and um, don't want to take anything for granted, but um, gracious for um, the way it's feeling right now. When will you know that you've overcome the injury? Do you think there's like a day where if you go four straight weeks or six straight weeks, no pain, will it then click? Or do you think it like whole season or like how do you, how do you view that? I'm not sure if there's a specific day. No, I mean, obviously, um, just understanding sports in general, there's, there's things that pop up here and there all the time. So... Uh, I just think, you know, having a better knowledge of um, the tools and resources and things to do to, to try to keep it feeling good is, um, you know, just one thing that you could take away from this whole process and uh, continue to apply moving forward. How much are you enjoying the experience here at AAA, playing here at CHS Field, playing for the Saints? I like playing here a lot. We have a really good group of guys, uh, great coaching staff, good fans that show up here. Um, so it's a fun environment, and uh, it's a fun thing to be a part of. How much, you know, is it daily that you're in correspondence with Twins folks or is it weekly or, you know, are you having the trainers here reach out to them? Like what's what's the dialogue like? You mentioned having the conversation with Rocco. Yeah, I think our staff um, communicates and has dialogue probably daily. Um, so it, it's nice being so close, um, you know, having guys move up and down like we already have so far this year. Um, you know, that's definitely a great benefit. Um, but for me, periodically uh periodic check-ins and and stuff like that with the staff and some of the people over there um has been a pretty normal par for course so far still early but 30 31 games in do you like the way the the big league club is playing there you are in first place yeah yeah i think we've uh pieced things together so far and and, uh, there's been a lot of highlights for sure so obviously um their focus is probably similar to mine just taking it one day at a time and um you know trying to to control the things that we can control, and that's you know, playing good team baseball. What's the conversation been like with your good buddy Royce, who's progressing down in Fort Myers, and I think it's inevitable that he'll be up here in a rehab assignment. Yeah, they've been great. Um, you know, just checking in on him, seeing how he's feeling, and everything like that. Everything's been positive feedback from him, and you know, he's he's definitely excited to get going again. Um, you know, I know he's a competitor and uh, just loves playing baseball, so I'll be excited for him to. Um, get back out there probably just as much as he uh, he is so um, definitely looking forward to it while at chs field i also caught up with randy dobnak so he's got the security of that five-year 9.25 million dollar contract the twins outrighted him off the 40-man roster last year so he's behind a bunch of guys right like if the twins need a starting pitcher in the next week or two you figure it's either brent hedrick or it's Simeon Woods Richardson, or even Aaron Sanchez, even though he's not on the 40-man. But, like, where does Randy fall pecking order-wise? Like, it's going to be a chore to get back to the big leagues. But he is still chasing 
that carrot. Randy wants to be back with the Twins. Heck, 2019 started game two of a playoff series at Yankee Stadium. Maybe it didn't go so well, but you think about it, in 2019 and in 2020, Randy Dobnek was pretty darn good. Then a finger injury derailed 2021 for the most part and 2022. Well, the finger is in a good spot right now. So here's my recent conversation with Randy Dobnak. Well, Randy, let's piggyback off you feeling good. I mean, what is it so far? About 20-ish innings, still early in the year, but you've thrown about 20-ish innings. What what stands out so far? Um, it's been nice to be able to throw without any uh, discomfort, that's for sure. I mean, even last year I was throwing at the end of the year. Finger was still super achy sometimes, uh, but I've had no issues this year so far. Um, but, yeah, it's just nice to get back out there and, you know, throw. If it's like a start relief, I don't even care at this point. I just like got to throw, so... So, like, the grip on your slider in particular or your off-speed stuff, like, there's no pain whatsoever? No, nothing. Um, throwing the sinker pretty much the same as I used to. Slider change, everything's the same. And just, I mean, no issues at all. Everything feels pretty good, too. This is the first time you've been able to say that since when? Probably early May 21. Or, yeah, 21. That's crazy. Three, two years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, expound on the journey, this process. Like, that to me is nuts. Yeah, I always, I mean, I always thought, you know, my elbow or my shoulder would be the first thing to go because I've never been hurt in my life. And sure enough, it's a finger thing you don't even think about, but it's like it's really, really small thing, but it's kind of really important when you're a pitcher and throwing wise. So it's been a long, long journey. Um, but I guess it's just what it is, but I'm glad to be back. And it is in particular, right? The slider, the sinker, right? Like like those two pitches in particular that you need that finger, that grip more than any other pitch? Yeah. I mean, each time that I felt my finger pop, I was always on a sinker, which is really weird too because when we watch like super slow-mo video, my pointer finger was always the last one on the ball. So I'm like, why is it my middle finger that's the one that's, you know, causing me all the issues? But it's it's been, it's been a while for sure. So like how do you look at the big picture of you have the big league experience? Hey. There's a lot of depth in this organization, but it could be when, not if, where you're back with the Twins. But, like, how do you just, you know, process all that? Um, I, I treat each year the same. It's always like, you know, I have to go out there and prove myself. Um, every spring training, I come in spring training, I'm like, I know I don't have a guaranteed spot, no matter what year it was, 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Um, so I just go out there and kind of just do what I do and, you know, throw strikes, get, get guys out, get guys strike some guys out, get early outs, go deep into games uh, when I'm starting. So that's just my thing. I'm going to go out there and do what I know how to do and kind of put it in their hands, I guess, to make the decisions. But we got a lot, we got a lot of dudes down here. we got a good team up there. Um, so it's going to be a fun year just to watch. I mean, we'll, we'll have the games on inside if they're going on early. Like today we're, we had the game on in there. Um, we'll, have, we'll have like th- this game going on and the big league game going on too. So, we, you know, a lot of those guys – Obviously, I play with a lot of guys were here this year. Obviously, like Louis uh, Brentwood, he was up there. Bailey started down here. So, yeah, we got a, we got a lot of dudes. Um, so it's gonna be a fun year. So, what's like the motivation level to get back to the big leagues? Because you've already accomplished a whole lot. I mean, think about it. Your story, which we've documented, undrafted, and you know, heck, you started a playoff game at Yankee Stadium, right? And you have the five-year contract, right? So you have you know some security in that regard. But is there still, like, this uber motivation to get back to the big leagues that the final chapter of your story hasn't been written? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to be settled in at AAA, you know. I mean, all these guys, I mean, guys that play high school ball, uh, college ball, pro ball, the minor leagues, like, your, your goal is not to be, like, in minor league ball. Your goal is to get to the big leagues and stay there. And they say the, the easy part's getting there and the hardest part's staying there, which is very true. You know, you got dudes coming up, and like, oh, this guy's going to be for a while. He has, like, an insane year, and then he's gone. So the hard part is, you know, sticking around and being consistent year in, year out because, you know, all, you're going to face a lot of guys up there a lot of times. So it's like, how do I pitch him his first at-bat compared to his 50th at-bat? Um, you have to make adjustments, even like mid-game, pre-game, um, post-game, go throughout, like, what should I have done different here? Or, like, if this has been working, let's just stick to it. Um, so the motivation for me, I mean, obviously yeah, nobody wants to be hanging out in AAA the whole year. You want to get called back up and um, help out, so... I mean, I'm just going to treat it every other year, go out there, do it, do what I can, and hope for the best, I guess. 
It's found on the depth, though. I mean, you're right. I mean, Bailey's up there now, and Louie's up there now, and you know Simeon could be up there, and you know Brent's starting tonight, and so he could go back up and start, not come out of the pen, and you know, unfortunately, you're no longer on the 40-man roster, and so there's like a lot of hurdles to overcome. Um, I mean, I can't control what happens up there. Uh, We do have a lot of depth, which is nice. Even like even guys that aren't on 40-man. I mean, Sanchez has been pretty good, like really good this year, Um, hitting-wise. We got a lot of dudes, you know, everywhere throughout the whole entire team. Um, and I've seen a little bit like the lower, like double and high and stuff like that. And this dude's down there. That, I mean, you never know what can happen. Guys down there can contribute at some point this year too. Um, trade deadline stuff. You know, some guys might get traded for. I mean, obviously, you know how that happens on trade deadline. You're tra- if we have a really good team here, some teams are like, oh, we'll give you so and so for some of your dudes in AAA, so on and so forth. So, I mean, we have a really talented team. Uh, up there in here, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Leave it this: Was there one moment earlier this year where it just clicked? You're on the mound and you're like, okay, like I finally have overcome this finger issue. Like now I know. Like was there one moment, one pitch? Like does anything hit you when I say that? Um, my first start in spring training, um, I was really really excited for. I mean, I'm always really excited to get out there, but that was different because you know it's been at that. I mean, I pitched last year at the end of the year, but I was still in some pain discomfort and stuff like that so coming like during the off season everything felt really good and then I look at the spring training I'm, I'm driving on my way to Sarasota to make my first start I'm like like the night before you know I didn't really sleep much so I was so excited and just to get out there again and you know pitch on a mound uh, without any pain discomfort was really fun it's something I looked forward to I never thought I'd see the day I mean after, even after last year then finger popped again and yeah, I was throwing Linda last year, still in discomfort. I'm like, is this how it's going to be? I always said, yeah, like, this is how it's going to be. It's just what it is. But things change, I guess. Randy, a very, very easy guy to root for. Heck, maybe a trade? Is it possible some other organization that could use an extra starting pitcher, maybe even at AAA initially, but then eventually in the big leagues? Would they have any interest? It's not like he's making huge money. Sure, it's some guaranteed money, but it's not like break the bank money. You know what? That might not be the worst case if some team in July, late July, had some trade interest in Randy Dobnek. That might be the quicker path back to the big leagues. All right, we are done here on Scoop Podcast, episode 415. Interviews only. Always appreciate you listening. Stay safe. Stay sane.